got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nothing spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow, he's going to make Sports Center with an incredible Jarvis Jones, the game winner got it. Ball game, East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? You're handsome, you have the perfect amount of scruff, and you still have no talent. It's Sandos in the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Monday, Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher. Another exciting week of Sandos in the sidekick. Of course, ETSU, huge home win over the Shorter Hawks, 48-10. to We'll recap that. We'll hear comments from head coach Randy Sanders. There will be a third segment I won't talk about, and then we will go to bold predictions where I was gloating a little bit, okay, a lot, during the broadcast, but then I started to look at my NFL picks. and eh, I mean, it's week one, but uh, I don't know how much I'll be uh, – uh, I'll, I'll be talking about some of those. So. I caught major shade on the broadcast this week from you and uh, a couple of the guys in the yeah. booth on a number of different things, which, yeah. which is fine. I can take it. I dish it out so but, I can take it as well. But it was the bold prediction that you hit on that will be the instant gratification in bold predictions mm. for uh, what looks to be a season-long worth of horrendous failure for not only you but also me. Oh, because of course. Cleveland and Oakland for me. Anyway, we'll save that for later. But yikes. Yeah, we'll go. Ooh, yikes. Ooh, the the, the season-long one. We're, uh, oh, boy. Yeah, we'll have to worry about that. Uh, it was a lot of glue. Now, you did get some credit because I, I gave you credit for the 3-8 and eight lookup of ETSU. Versus, <laughs> now now 4-8. and eight. The Bucks have improved to 4-8. Yeah. and eight. Was uh, against schools that start with an S. And so. now nineteen, nineteen, and one against schools they played mm. one time, improved to five hundred and shorter, dropped to forty losses in a row. That's exactly halfway to the all-time longest losing streak in college football history. Prairie View A and M with the longest, right? Nineteen eighty nine to nineteen ninety eight. So see, decade see, of losing. See, it wasn't all. It wasn't all, uh, as the kids would say, shade on you. Yeah, we give you. If your player would hear, he was here. He would say yes. Shade is. What you do when I thought he'd not, say no cap. He would say no cap, okay. he would, but he would explain to you exactly where shade co- comes from and what it means and why you're lagging so okay. far behind in the lingo these days. All right, let's talk a little bit about the game. We will uh, let me gloat a little more uh, later, but this was a game, interesting kind of turns because the early part of the contest, you saw ETSU do what I think a lot of people thought they would do. And then the second quarter, even really before uh, Trey Mitchell went out with an injury, it's a little bit of a lull, and I think uh, we'll hear some some comments from Coach Sanders later. But he he was pretty adamant at halftime, pretty adamant post game that you know there was some guys that maybe you know took the foot off the gas, maybe it's a little too easy, they weren't really prepared. So we'll talk to a little bit about that later. But certainly it seemed like there was a lull. Then third quarter, uh, about second third possession, all of a sudden Jacob Sailors had the long run, and then it just jump started everything. And then you saw Trey Mitchell. Uh, one off the school record for consecutive completions. He was 14 of 14. He would have uh, tied Austin Herrick uh, on his 15th throw. If it would have been complete, that one happened to be intercepted. Took a shot deep down the field, tried to, try to get another score on the board. But 14-14 at second uh, all-time for start of a game in school history, so nothing to scoff at there. And then I thought an outstanding in relief effort 
Cameron Lewis, and I thought you did a great job tweeting it out, but, you know, he caught his first career pass, right? First career reception. Which, by first... the way, is no small thing to just speed pass because that is a major development in how they may want to use him, which I'm going to ask Coach Sanders about later today at the press conference. And I can't wait because he caught a pass, then then thrust into quarterback duty. He ran one, and late in the game, he actually dropped a dime. It got him to about the one-yard line, and then he threw a, a, a touchdown pass, got rewarded for that later, and threw his first career touchdown pass. So certainly looking at you know, if Trey Mitchell can mature and continue to grow, stay healthy, if they can't get Cam Lewis on the field for a couple of spot series, which I don't really think that's the way Coach Sanders ever wants to do it, but he's trying to figure out ways how to get Cameron Lewis the football because that kid is electric for sure. Yeah, no question. I mean, he's got the size to go and play out wide. He obviously, as we've seen, has the legs to be able to move the ball on the ground, and if he can throw the ball like he did on Saturday. Uh, now, Coach Sanders, as we'll hear in our second segment when we get some sound on the quarterback situation from Coach and just what it meant for the Bucks to get their first win this year. But he did leave a couple of throws perhaps on the field that Coach Sanders would have liked him to make. But again, Coach Sanders' standards extremely high for quarterbacks. I'd say for a first collegiate appearance under center, a first collegiate appearance out at the wide receiver position. I mean, what a versatile night. Three of five, 70 yards, and a touchdown in the air. Three carries, 34 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. And then, of course, the one catch for 22 yards. And, and it was something that was good to see that ETSU was spreading the ball around. You know, you had six receivers with 20 or more yards, uh, eight receivers in double figures, four yards. Jordan Anderson got some time. Keith Coffey uh, looked uh, at points to be, especially on that 39-yard catch, a guy that can come in and contribute again. We've seen flashes from him, too. We've seen flashes at times, and that's maybe the story for a couple of different guys on this uh, receiving roster and the receiving core for Mike Raiders receivers, but uh, good to see him back on the field. Julian Lane Price, a 38-yard catch, and Nate Adkins now a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about in bold predictions, I believe one of your season-long bold predictions was a wide receiver would have. Yeah, I'm afraid he's going to get there. Eight-plus touchdowns, <laughs> and so maybe, you know, it won't won't be a receiver. Maybe it won't be a Braxton Richburg, Spagnoletti, a Coffee, uh, even, you know, guys we didn't see a lot of, Isaiah Wilson and uh, Jamal Couch, didn't see a lot of either of them um, on the field on Saturday, so maybe they're not so much in the conversation. Maybe you'll be Nate Adkins. I mean, he's got back-to-back games with a touchdown, a very positive start for his year, four catches, 37 yards, and a score. So I think, as you said, early on, a lot of what you would have would have expected, excuse me, 17 minutes in, it was 25 to nothing, and then you had the injury, and Cam Lewis comes in and is trying to work his way into things, and then you had Trey Mitchell come back in the second half. So there's a little bit of fluctuation in it, obviously a very important position on the field, because about 27 minutes in, I was thinking this could be 62 nothing Charleston Southern 1992 largest margin of victory ever uh, uh, yes uh, and there were so many things that and I, it's hard to say sometimes is it the the level of competition because certainly Cameron Lewis had a gear on his touchdown Keith Coffey turned in another game now Keith Coffey turned on a gear when nobody was around him we sort of knew what Malik McGew could do and I think a lot of local fans did but he showed that and I think he possibly could took that uh, after the safety, they chose to kick instead of punt, but I thought he had a shot to take that to the end. If he would have uh, – he didn't see a guy to his left that kind of came out of nowhere, but I think if he would have known that guy was there, he would have just cut back to the right. And I don't, I don't think anybody would have caught Malik McGew. And so I certainly think, you know, it's it's hard to say, um, you know, where – is this offense that explosive? Was it a little bit that obviously Shorter's outmanned in that? 
VMI is the next opponent. We'll talk about that coming up this week. We have talked to Wade Brenner, their longtime athletic communication sports information director slash play-by-play man. Scott Walkenheim's uh, their head coach, has joined us last couple years. We assume he uh, – and we've sent the emails already. We assume he has no issues coming on there. But it would be curious to see what the – sort of how those guys look, again, going up against some Southern Conference. But a lot of things to look for as much as – we looked at the App State game and went, well, you know, you're stepping up a level. App State's known for speed, which can make a, a pretty speedy team, I think, look slow. Then, obviously, ETSU is going to be fast, and they looked fast. So, I, I don't know what to draw from that until you get a couple more games. But certainly, I like the way it looks. The, the running game, the one-two punch was right there. The offensive line, as they should have, opened up a lot of gaps. I think Nate Atkins is the most interesting uh, development for the simple reason that Coach has been able – Coach Sanders has been able to dial up a few nice play actions, and because of how the team has been running, even against Appalachian State, people have to respect that. And you know, and it's easy to lose a tight end, especially with some play action. Maybe he blocks down for a one one thousand, and then flares out in the end zone. It seems like a, both of his touchdowns have worked that way. So, and, and he's been pretty wide open. Even the touchdown pass to uh, Anderson, uh, the the grad transfer from Brown. Same thing for him. It was a similar play action and, and kind of wide open. So, certainly that's a weapon uh, and an easy throw for some quarterbacks. But maybe Nate Atkins is that safety blanket. To me, that's fine. I would love to be wrong in bold predictions if it was a tight end that had eight or ten touchdowns because certainly you're getting things done. I was very happy to see you mentioned the dual-headed running attack. Jacob Saylor's get more involved. Now, you take away a 61-yard run. He's got 11 carries, 29 yards. And now you don't do that, right? I mean, you can say that about – a lot of stat lines that end up being really big days, and he had 12 carries for 90 yards and two scores. Uh, so obviously, you're not just going to eliminate his biggest moment, right? But it, it is a way to maybe normalize some stats a bit. So he did average 7.2 yards a carry last year, and to have 7.5 per game uh, against Shorter, it was good to see him get on track, bust off that big run. He is a big play threat at any time. Uh, it was just nice to see him touch the ball more after in game one. Randy Sanders mentioned it. I mentioned it on the show. They had a couple chances to get the ball out there. There was maybe some miscommunications with Coach Downs, the running backs coach, doing a bit more with signaling in uh, and maybe not getting the right personnel all the time out there. So an adjustment period for a number of different people. But to say to see Sailors touch the ball more, very positive thing. And Quay Holmes, we're not going to hear his sound, but I just love Quay Holmes as a teammate. He always says the right things, very good communicator, very good performer on the field, more of a vocal leader this year. He's doing so much for this team and in his post-game interview when he had Tremont Shorts offensive lineman come out and speak with him to Robert Harper on the Buccaneer Sports Network Quay said after Tremont was done look I think Jacob's a heck of a player and I don't think he gets enough credit I don't want him to ever feel like he's the number two here when he's in there he's the guy it's such an unselfish attitude it's such a uh, positive way to look at a I guess workload share, you know, a share of the reps when some running backs make it down on that. And they're like, well, I'm a preseason All-American. Why am I not in there more? They each had 12 carries. Quay did have one catch for 30 yards as well. But I think that Quay knows that Jacob Saylor's next to him is a top talent. This team is better when both of them are on the field, when they're able to use each of them in different capacities. And honestly, when both of them are on the field at the same time, I love that. Anything you can do to have both Sailors and Holmes in the game at the same time, I am a big fan of. But it was good to see that the running game got going. 248 yards. Yeah, DJ Twitty in there as well. Jalen Williams had a couple carries. Of course, Trey and Cam Lewis as well uh, behind Sailors and Holmes, um, you know, or in front of them, I suppose, in the formation. But in terms of on the statistical sheet with Lewis having 34 yards and Trey with a couple of carries also. So big day on the ground, big day through the air. Obviously, some of it is the level of competition, but 
I much prefer, now looking back on things, going from an Appalachian State to a shorter rather than, say, a Mars Hill or a Limestone to a Tennessee because now in practice this week you should should have all the energy you should be feeling good you should be prepared you should bring your best in this week of practice for preparation for conference play against vmi in the game that last year as you mentioned and we'll talk more about this week was just a wild and wacky up and down tipsy turvy contest last year and you just you struggled a lot on first down at the last thing i want to touch on and again they should have but 29 first down plays 275 yards almost 10 yards it's nine and a half almost 10 yards per play that was something ETSU really struggled at third down conversions another one uh, I like to look at six for 50 uh, I'm sorry five for nine uh, 56 percent pretty solid there and then the average third uh, and yard to gain was interesting was 12 and a half they needed 12 and a half yards so even against shorter the Bucks have a hard time getting third shorts and they converted on on obviously five of the nine uh, chances they had but that's still something they got to stop having those negative plays and, and get third and manageable, especially when you get into conference play. But some of those big chunk first down plays, I think was something good for ETSU uh, to, to finally do and to continue to work on that. So ETSU victorious 48-10 head coach Randy Sanders to talk about the victory over the Hawks right after this timeout from Sanderson's sidekick of the Wagoneer Sports Network. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks, but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. Sanderson sidekick back with you on this Monday. ETSU victorious over the Shorter Hawks, 48-10. Head coach Randy Sanders excited about the dub. It's good to get a win. I, I think sometimes, uh, sometimes we take wins for granted. You, you can never take a win for granted. And I don't want to overlook that part. I think sometimes, too, just kind of the way the game started. I thought the first three series on both sides, we really started pretty well. I thought offensively, other than a uh, 15-yard penalty that really set us back behind the chains on the first possession, we, we were rolling pretty well on offense and doing what we needed to. You know, defense goes out. We got the ball right back. I can't remember if that was – was that the turnover or fourth down they went for? I don't know. But we get back on a short field, short, score pretty quickly. And then we had the fumble, I think, or the turnover, and we right. get back and score on one play. It was almost like it was too easy after those first three possessions, I think. 17, and it was almost like – we had some people relax. We had some people think, all right, this one's in hand. Kind of what you talked about in terms of maybe letting the foot off the gas a little bit, and it was 25 nothing, and then it just felt like the air was kind of sucked out of the stadium for a little bit when Trey Mitchell went down with that injury, and then Robert was reporting down the sidelines, okay, he's throwing, he's walked off the field under his own power, he's able to put pressure on that knee, it doesn't look like it's going to be catastrophically bad, could perhaps even return to the game, then he misses the rest of the second quarter, goes back, gets a knee brace, is able to continue and comes out and puts up a big second half, and ETSU kind of returns to form. So I do attribute a lot of those struggles in that second quarter after putting up the third touchdown and making it 25 nothing after 17 minutes. I do attribute a lot of it 
to the quarterback injury, to Trey Mitchell's what could have been a lot worse than it was, thankfully, because you had Cade Weldon, you had Chance Thrasher, and it's almost like, here we go again. I mean, we are so snake bit at the position right now. What else could possibly happen if that injury for Trey Mitchell is a serious one? Then, thankfully, it wasn't Mitchell was able to return and once again put up absolutely massive numbers. And what is he now? I think 26 for 31. Is that right? Now nah, I'm off a little bit. I think he is 26 for 33. Is that right? So, something around 26 to 34 because 12 completions against Appalachian State, 14 completions against Shorter in back-to-back weeks has really come in and done extremely well in his first two collegiate games. I've seen extensive time, and I mean, the numbers that he's put up and the fact that he was able to continue, I think, really re-energized the team and got ETSU back on track. You said 26 to 34, right? Yeah. I, I was told there'd be no math on this. Mm. So Yeah, the look on your face when I said that, yeah, you started I, to scramble oh, for a piece of the paper oof, with simple addition. Yeah. I mean, it was a carry the one somewhere, so you know that's not that's pro- probably not good. But, uh, but it, going back to Coach's point, I think that second quarter. So ETSU 164 yards in the first quarter, 168 in the third, and 106 in the fourth. Only 53 yards, uh, and didn't look particularly well in that uh, 53 yards. And so uh, I think that was sort of his issue because felt like especially even with maybe Trey going out. And really, the, it was the series before that where they kind of struggled a little bit. Then, of course, then it was the series again. We talked about this when, when Trey Mitchell had to come in for Chance Thrasher. Mid-series, things like that. It's just difficult to kind of come in and, and get going. You'd rather start a series, or at least it's planned. Hey, we're going to do this. You're going to come in for the special play. We come out. But in an unplanned, not warmed up on the sideline type thing, I think it's – uh, you know, you can kind of see how, how it takes a minute for, for somebody to get uh, get kind of going. Here's the takes from Coach Sanders on the quarterback position. Trey was seeing things very well. And, and the nice thing about Trey, the one comfort zone I have with Trey, when, when he's in the game, I pretty much know what he's going to do. You know, he, he's intelligent. He's learned how I want things done. He understands the offense. He tries to do what I need done, the way I want it done, things like that. Most of the time I can – call the play, see the coverage, and kind of look and see pretty closely where the ball should be going, and usually that's where it goes with him. So there, there's a there's a lot of comfort there. I, I wish he was faster. I wish he was uh, had a little bit stronger arm. I wish he had a little bit higher delivery. But at the same time, the guy knows how to play quarterback, and there's a lot to be said for that. Coach Sanders has kind of a science behind quarterbacking. For you, more of a layman perspective, what do you see from Trey Mitchell that makes him so successful in these first two games? I, just intelligence. I, I, I think uh, the big thing he said was understanding exactly what I want the play to do. I, I kind of heard this a lot. Uh, you know, I listen to a lot of sports radio, watch a lot of those, you know, breakdown and shows and stuff. And so they they were kind of talking about how different quarterbacks break down different things and 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 how it took people a while. And I think Tony Romo had openly said like, "Hey, you know, I would throw the ball down the field because a guy was open," and the coach would be like but the play's designed to go to this guy. And I'm going, but the guy's open. You know, there's a famous Charlie Charlie Weiss, Tom Brady, where Tom Brady's in practice, same thing, threw it, you know, 25 yards down the field, and Charlie Weiss blows the play dead. He's like, why didn't, why didn't you hit the guy in the flat for 10? Well, that guy's open. And Charlie Weiss takes off the whistle, throws a clipboard at him, and says, well, you be the coach. I'm going to go sit over here. And, you know, and same thing, Tony Romo talked about it. It took him a while to understand. You design a play, you do certain things, so that you are setting up things down the road. And if you're not running and taking, if the first option isn't there, that's different. But if the first option is open, that is what the coach wants you to do. And it isn't about setting up plays in the same game. Sometimes it's about setting up plays down the road. 
And so that sort of understanding what coach wants to accomplish on that play to get the offense in the right thing to set up things down the road, I think is what sep- is what Coach Sanders would like and what I think is maybe people don't understand. It's not just, hey, we're going to run this play, five guys are running around, you just find the open guy and chunk it where you want to. They are very scientific in where they want certain plays to go so that they are setting up certain things later in the game. Speaking of setting things up, what did you make of the two-point conversion with Nasir Player in the second quarter up 23 to nothing? Easy. Was that a setup? That, easy. That, that is so that other teams have to spend time working on that. Even so though, just putting it on film. Even though I mean, we talked about we that, did. remember, on yep. Friday. Sometimes you do things. You know, the Baltimore Ravens ran a fake punt against the Dolphins up 35-whatever, and people are going, why are they running a fake punt? Because somebody's got to prepare for it. Like, you have to spend time in practice. In pros, you have, you don't, you have more time. But in the old days, pros, you know, you can sit out there six hours in practice. Now you can't do it to collect a bargain. Well, in college, you got 20 hours. And 20 hours includes your game. So you have less time to work on the field. So if you've got to spend 20 minutes, which is a valuable 20 minutes, working on the different type of fake punts, ETSU, or fake uh, extra points that ETSU could run, then that just takes time away that you could prepare for something else. So that's all about showing that. And also, I'm sure it was like, you know, Nasir, you've been great for us these four years. What can we do to something different? Sort of like they ran a pass. Now, it was different because it was for a touchdown in, in a key situation, but they tried to throw a pass to the nose guard, Traymon Farrell, and he juggled the football going out of bounds, or he would have had a career touchdown reception. And that was a sort of a reward for everything you've done for four years. So same thing. I think it was something to say, hey, Nasir, this is a nice thing we can do for you. But the main thing that accomplished, whether it did or didn't work, was to show people that ETSU was willing to go for going for two and now people have to respect that and if people over prepare for that i'm sure etsu has a different type of fake because you know who the holder is trey mitchell the quarterback and so you could snap him the ball directly and he can make a decision or you could toss it over there to nasir player on the old swinging gate you've called nearly all of nasir players games now i remember the first interception for a touchdown he had his first touchdown of his life he said last i believe it was last year mm-hmm. At home. Two years ago. Two years ago, two v- years ago VMI. against VMI. I was going to look up, and this is, again, another impossible one to track down, which is why when I tweeted out the Cameron Lewis thing, I said, I'm not sure how many players have ever done these things. Odds are it's not many. I was going to do one of those with Nasir Player. How many players have had their first career fumble recovery in a game and then caught a pass in the game? Now, the problem is that doesn't count as a reception because it was on a two-point conversion. Right, it doesn't go lateral. down to the stats. Yeah. yeah, it goes as a rush. So unfortunately and i don't i don't even think you get stats you, from you, you don't get versions you, you, you get credit for the points correct but you don't get any right. actual stats right. so technically it's not even even if it was a forward pass ladder whatever they wanted to score it as you don't get credit for that so again though first career fumble recovery and then a two-point conversion as well very unique stat lines for the cameron lewis's and the nasir players this past weekend one more comment from coach about the quarterbacking I thought he threw a few nice balls there i don't know um I'm just looking at the stat sheet in three of five. I thought he made a couple of nice throws. I thought um, there were a couple of other opportunities out there to make a few throws that uh, I, I want him to make, I expect him to make. You know, But there's no doubt that his ability to run the ball and his athleticism brings a new dimension to it as well. And, you know, we saw that when we ran the uh, zone read and he pulled it down and, you know, had to run there in the – third quarter I guess it was good to see it, it, it I hadn't seen a quarterback run that fast on this field didn't remind you of Austin Herring did it <laughs> now he did qualify that by saying a quarterback in blue and gold run that fast because I thought back and I was like well Tyree Adams pretty fast 
but then he did say there's been a couple quarterbacks yeah he did say blue and gold though so just to make sure that no one thinks that Cameron Lewis is the only fast quarterback to ever played here I am going to give Austin Herrick some gruff on Friday when he joins us about that comment along with a few other things is there a possibility one of those things being that Austin maybe he was being thrown to bone himself as a coach maybe calling a couple plays late in the game and Trey Mitchell's 14 for 14 and Austin says let me make a pretty low percentage throw here so my record can stay intact. Sabotage of Trey Mitchell, your thoughts? Uh, or am I the only evil person that thinks like that? No, I, listen, I think <laughs> I think I think all athletes think that way. <laughs> I don't I don't think you're 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 alone in Austin that. will be more I will say I this. I talked to uh, Austin came in the booth before the game uh, in our the coach's box right next to the radio. And so he came in really to talk about um, the fact that uh, AB just signed with the Patriots, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. But when we're sitting there and I said, you know, how do you like being the quality control? He goes, well, he says, you know, I, I talk direct, being the offense quality control, my headset only goes to Coach Sanders. Mm. And he said last week at the end of the game, and I think it was maybe Sunday in their meeting, he's like, you've got to talk to me more. And he's like, I don't really know what I should do. And I said, well, listen, I, I'm certainly not Coach Sanders, but you were the last guy to run that offense. You were the last guy to know what he wanted. I think he wants to know what you're seeing. And whether that is they switched the coverage on you, they did something you haven't seen before, Trey had a wrong read, I, I, I think you, all of that. I think he just needs information. I said the way he works and calculates and all that, and the best person for him to talk to is the guy he last had on the field doing right. that. I said, I think that's the type of information. And he, and in Coach Center's credit, he gave Austin a, a lot of credit for yeah. that. And Austin will grow in that role kind of understanding – but he was like, you know, part of my deal is offense quality controls. I'm talking to quarterbacks about what does Coach Sander want? What does he expect? Does he want, you know, do you lay down or whatever? Does Coach Sanders want you to push back on this? Does he want you, you know, if you get yelled at, is Coach Sanders yelling at you to yell at you? Or does he want you to justify why you made a different decision, right? So I think having that inside knowledge. But it is interesting to, to see sort of him go from one role to another. And some of it is, you know, last year was my coach. Now he wants me to. You know, not really a peer. He's still his boss, but same thing, right? You're going in that profession. You got to learn that. But oh, that's a, a great growing experience because. But I think that's a smart play from Coach Sanders because you know you can teach and have um, maybe uh, Price Partrick, who's the quarterback coach. He could have him talk to him because that's what's going on. But he went on the field last year. Austin is so I think that's in, that's an interesting twist to see how that affects the offense moving forward as well. Yeah, it's interesting info. Do you think that this now is Trey Mitchell's job, regardless of anything that may happen with other quarterbacks? After this performance on Saturday, 14-15, uh, 173. So or because it's again shorter, do we still have to withhold a little bit of opinion? Uh, I think Trey will get the first snap no matter what uh, going on. I, I think Trey's still a couple of, of A or two bad games away from somebody else being in there. I, I mean, As it's are not, most people, I think, uh, in this but it's, Randy you know, Sanders regime. I think after... After Austin got a, a little bit down the road, I think we all knew it was going to be Austin's job at, at some point. You know, and even if you lost the game, there was no worry of, you know, they're putting Marchie back in there. I think the team had responded enough. The The ultimate answer to that is how is the team responding? You know, once you get the feel of the team, because the head coach can lose some confidence, but he can look at it and go, all right, but the guys are responding. They're playing hard. They're doing things for him. They're battling for him, right? Then you can get away with some of that. I don't know that Trey's to there yet. I think it's a good step forward. I think if they continue to play and grow and do things that he wants to do, then I certainly think that, that it could be his for a while. One final thing for me, and the first soundbite that Coach Sanders had on this 
show at least it wasn't his first overall comment in the post game with you but he talked about penalties just a little bit he said no that 15 yard penalty early on with the hands to the face are they calling face masks more on the offensive line rather than illegal hands to the face i always thought that was an illegal hands to the face call ben blackman got a face mask call that was a personal well uh, hands to the face is different because it's actually where you get your hand usually under under, underneath right at the chin and you push up i think there was a legitimate a grab and pull there were two weren't there weren't there two yeah Yeah, we talked about that that's um and they were on different emphasis or something they were on different well the last couple years they've tried to eliminate a lot of the um hands of the face on both sides because defense alignment call for that too there was a lot of times there was sort of an advantage where you're going for the shoulder pad oh no wait slipped i got you underneath the chin right and nobody was really calling that so last several years they've really looked at that i think the difference was somebody actually grabbed the face mask and so hands of the face is only a five yard penalty if you grab and pull that's a 15 yard penalty so that was a much different uh, penalty, but I'm well, hands not... to the face on offense is a ten yard, five yard oh, on defense. Sorry, sorry. But yeah, and then fifteen. So I, I was wondering if maybe they're trying to they're... discourage hands up top for offensive linemen, which is maybe why they called personal fouls. I, I don't know, just a thought. Yeah, I, I think I think they probably grabbed and pulled, is my guess. Anyway, actual point rather than getting sidetracked again, as we tend to do. When he mentioned penalties, this was not a pretty game for ETSU penalty wise. Eleven for one twenty four, I believe, and the game coming up that they have against VMI. One of the things, of the many things that the VMI game will be remembered for last year is the fact that ETSU had 13 penalties for 142 yards. Now, that gets buried underneath the mountain of turnovers, all the sacks ETSU had, their special teams played. There were a lot of really big positives that allowed them to win that game despite being out first down 20-13 to 13 and giving up eight penalties um, via first down to the key dats and, quite honestly, not having great quarterback play as Logan Marchie made some uh, errors obviously and then was replaced I think it was the next week was it against Furman after I think it was VMI then Furman that next week in that third quarter and Austin Herrick came in and led the Bucks to the comeback and the rest is history but it's back-to-back games now where I don't think Coach Sanders has been happy with that aspect and early on in seasons you're I think more likely to get play like that and it tends to heal itself well, and the special team penalties are really and you can tell mm-hmm. special teams drove them crazy week one Week two, it drove them more crazy because there were a couple guys unblocked on kick return. There were three uh, penalties on punt return and one on a kick. So four-year penalties are, are coming on special teams. So I, I think there's there's some things there that he's quite unhappy about. Yeah, and he said that in the post game as well. He's just like, there's a lot of things we have to clean up in that aspect still. I think he's happy with Tyler Keltner. I think he's happy with perhaps overall just the kicking itself but it is the coverage and the oh, penalties yeah you know uh, i mean kunak almost kicked one out of bounds but he didn't right but, right but kunak's had pretty much all all touchbacks except for the one that he strategically got the guy to catch and down himself at the half yard line uh which led to a safety and then you're talking about the punting's been phenomenal from garrett taylor the freshman you're right keltner you know like he'd been doing it for years a 40 yard field goal that would have been good for 55 with ease so I, I think that part is fine. I think Malik McGue returning the punts uh, have been fine. I think the kick return, you know, he hasn't blamed the kick returners. Now I think a couple times Quay especially has been a little indecisive waiting a half second, which obviously hurts in those situations. But at the same token, he's like, well, my guy's going to get his legs broke so if we can't figure out how to, like, stop somebody on a dead run from 60 yards to go get a clean shot on our running back. So And we did see Malik McGue back there instead of Quay Holmes at towards the end of the game and I don't know if that was to see if maybe McGee would be a better option and not have Holmes maybe take some of those hits and it looks like that may be 
the route. I'll be curious to see if it's Holmes and Sailors back there on kick return duty. Again, I think you got to find ways to get McGew the ball, and he's still very new to the offense coming in late August. So they'll continue to work him in just like they will lose some others. But I think the special teams has got to be cleaned up. Long story short for me, great game, a lot of good things, but penalties still a big problem. And considering the game last year against VMI and the fact that the Kedets are coming in here with an upset on their minds, and this will, I think, 100 times out of 100 this Saturday be played actually on a Saturday. Hopefully there's not as much sloppiness and it's not as strange of a game and ETSU is more dominant this time around. We can only hope. We can only hope, but with 13 penalties for 142 yards last, just gives me some pause considering the penalty performances early. Totally agree. We'll wait and see. And Reese Udinsky has uh, matured a lot since no the last time the Bucks saw him. We'll step aside for a timeout. Pros versus Jays right after this on Sanderson's Sidekick on the Bucket Air Sports Network. Life is all about perfect pairings. Sweet and salty, naughty and nice, hot and cold. Well, add instant and jackpot to the list because that's what you'll get when you add Quick Cash to your next Tennessee Cash play. Quick Cash is a simple way to turn one game into two. With Quick Cash, you'll have a chance to win up to $500 instantly right there at the register. Plus, you'll still have a chance to win the Tennessee Cash drawing later. Get the best of both worlds and get twice the fun. It's Quick Cash with Tennessee Cash, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Pros. Buckle up for Kobe. Kobe Bryant just sucked the gravity out of the target center. What a pass. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! In your life have you seen anything like that? In the deep left center from Mitchell. And we'll see you tomorrow night. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. In a year that has been so the impossible has happened. Edmonds hit 42 home runs during the regular season. And we are going to game seven in the National League Championship Series. The band is out on the field. He's going to go into the end zone. He's going to go the band. The band have won. The band have won. Versus Jays. I need a shower. Don't forget, you can download Sandos and Sidekick iTunes SoundCloud on the RSS feed and get a daily update. So hopefully you don't have to listen to Monday, the third segment. But the first, second, fourth usually pretty good. The fourth is not what I'm looking forward to this week. But number three is always a favorite of mine. I am glad that this has survived the five-day-per-week podcast, moved down to three days. And it's one that just keeps on giving, really. I mean, there's never a shortage of material. And I think you'll be happy with this one this week because... It actually highlights a positive that you did in the broadcast this past week, one that I was a big fan of, as you know from the broadcast. And you've also been wanting to use the soundbite for the pro that we're comparing you to this week for quite some time. So it's Mm. a little bit of a double-edged sword in the untraditional sense where both sides of the sword are good. And let's start with you and let's say mid to late 90s rap references. And for you youngsters out there, we're not encouraging this. Hold on. I ruined it. Tupac. Lanier is the running back. And all eyes on him on the first carry. Dear Mama, says Tupac Lanier being hit in the backfield. I was hoping there were going to be more than just the two. But Dear Mama and all eyes on me, I think those are probably two. I'd written down about ten ahead of time. <laughs> and the first two fell on deaf ears with everybody that was with me, so I just gave it to All right. Well, I was texting I and I was, I was loving good. it. Well, I, I know you I were, but it. I thought maybe somebody on the crew. Because Robert Harper, Matt Wilgen, right up their alley. I figured Hellman wouldn't have a clue. No. Uh, and, I, and I have several people that text 
or send me messages or all kinds of things during the game that uh, when I get in lulls, sometimes I will check. And so I thought, okay, somebody here is going to appreciate some of it. No hey, love? No, I didn't get what? any. Not, you were the only person. Oh, come I on. I was so proud, and I had several written up, but that's okay. All right, here's the pro. Yeah. And for you youngsters out there, we're not encouraging this behavior. I just want to make that <laughs> no, clear. No, it's sort of no. like saying, you know, any rebroadcast reproduction is kind of a rote thing. Now, kids, this is just the lyric, and I'm just quoting it. And it's ludicrous talking about himself. I'd be rolling torpedoes, get blunted with Rostas, and for a hefty fee, I'm on your record, like Bob Costas. <laughs> And it, it was it was it was at that point it was at that point, boys, where I said to myself, if I step off a curb right now and get hit by a bus, I've lived a full life. It's all good. Now you do love mid to late nineties, right? Oh yeah, that is right in your wheelhouse, and that's Bob Costas, who on MOB Network. That was probably boy. I think like five or six years ago, but it's an ageless wonder. No I mean, even question. like mid, I mean, give me some good Run DMC, like mid eighties. Like so you'll, I'm, I'm, I'm you'll take early, early LL Cool J. So yeah. you, you know yeah. Ludacris very well. Ludacris, yeah. of course, the one yeah. that uh, Bob Costas is talking about in his soundbite. Tupac Shakur, Tupac Lanier. That was the connection with yours. I'm just very proud that you worked in a couple. Now I don't think you're going to get mentioned by Ludacris's or you know R.I.P. Uh, Tupac can't get mentioned by him, of course. But any of the rappers now, these days probably not going to have. Maybe Jay. What if you got mentioned by Jay? Would he be number one on your list of people you would like to get name checked by in rap? Jay Z. Well, first of that all, that are still doing stuff. How do, how do you know he didn't reference me? And this is before your time. Don't say but, get him, Jay. How do you know so, it's not me? So how do you stupid. how do you know it's not me? So stupid. How do you know it's not me? I know it's not you because that was a Lincoln Park and Jay Z matchup and Jay Z happens to be Jay-Z. And so when Mike Shinoda said, get him, Jay, he was talking about Jay-Z. That wasn't even Jay-Z saying that. It you was sure? Mike Shinoda about are you sh- are, Jay-Z. I mean, are you sure that wasn't my cue to step in? Did you step in? Were you there? I mean, you I gotta, know who I, Mike I mean, Shinoda I, is. <laughs> no, well, see, that was my problem. When he left the voicemail, I didn't know who he was. That was, <laughs> and, and it was for me. Right, so you didn't return so, the call. So here's of, my only okay, option. Right. My only options... Is it? Uh, there's a couple local guys. One is Mo Sabri, who's probably uh, he's the one who wrote the John C. songs. Got some others. He did some uh, collaborations with some students, and so he's been to the president. And, uh, he's gone to a couple things, open up there. So uh, I've tried to lobby through uh, Daniel Norris to uh, his buddy Mo to try to work in uh, Jay Sandoz reference at some point in time. I've also maybe tossed it out there to uh, uh, the young Nas that we've had on a Friday before who has uh, cut some lyrics in his day and trying to see if I can get it worked out. So I've tried. I've not gotten in there. Here's the difference. I've I don't think Bob Costas has called Ludacris and been like, hey, you know, I think I got this line for you. You're pitching your own lines to these artists. You're like, hey, this is what you could use. Daggone right I am. Well, give me a line. Let's hear a Jay Sandoz line. Like, how would you work Jay Sandoz into a song? Well, first of all, if you know anything about rap, right, you can change sounds just enough. Yes. So I was thinking about something uh, like you could raise your glass and toast, the man, the myth, the legend, Jay Sandoz. I mean, I'm just going. Wow. You know, so I mean, I put some thought into it, I, and that's not. I mean, I, I'd have to go back and look because I haven't. Uh, but I probably wrote six, seven different lines for myself, which is probably even worse. <laughs> so, <laughs> but not only have I pitched it, yeah, I've even uh, tried to get myself on there. So not only, okay. so not Sorry. only are you trying to get on guys' songs where they're mentioning you, but you're thinking maybe a guest verse, like you're a featuring. You can no, be a no, featuring. no, 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 I think we could remix this. I think Andy Glenn has a very tight zone. Something like that. Re- <laughs> remix something like that where we could get you worked in with a and hook. if anybody ever saw his strike zone, you would agree. And, and he's, Are you sure he, you were talking about strike zone? He's averaging uh, calling every, like, third buck game. That is true. It's just 
Let me tell you, from seeing some of those games, he still does have a very tight <sighs> zone. Strike zone. Drives me crazy. All right, that was a good segment. Actually, I, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I was actually excited about that. I can't believe there weren't more uh, fanfare. That's why I really. That's why I stopped. So I was like, it's, it's going on deaf ears. I'm not gonna sit here. I was hoping you'd pull out the uh, Tupac Lanier's "Ambitions as a Running Back." You know, because "Ambitions mm-hmm. as a Rider" is a good song. Um, there's a lot of just possible directions to go. Yeah, it's gonna do changes, right? It was gonna do a few <laughs> others, right? But Tupac Lanier hoping to put some changes on this contest, yeah, something yeah, like that. I was gonna yeah. do a few things, yeah. you know, maybe changes the contest. You know, I was gonna do. Uh, it was a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sad you gave up. Yeah, it, it really and it, and it when I even said it, it was still crickets, right? Even when I brought it up, I thought no maybe that would. Yeah, no, it was just, so I. I felt like I was I was doing my own thing at well, that point. Well, once again, it, Bob Costas greater than Jay Sandoz has ludicrous. See, I was trying to entertain the masses, and I was just entertaining me and you. Like for for the podcast, we could just entertain us; it's no big deal. But I figure for the game, I probably need to entertain the masses. Right? I suppose. All right, let's go over both predictions. Where I was right, you were wrong. After this, on the Buccaneers Sports Network, ETSU fans, there is no more entertaining way to spend your Wednesday nights than with the human soundbite reel, Randy Sanders. It's big boy football. The Buccaneer head coach joins Jay Sandoz live at Wild. Cafe every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. And if you can't make it to downtown Johnson City to have chicken wings and tighter tots with coach, you can listen right here on AM 640. All fall long, ETSU head football coach Randy Sanders Wednesday nights. What time is it anyway? 6 p.m. on the Sports Monster. Everyone in the stadium and across the NFL world is aware that quarterback Andrew Luck decided to retire. Antonio Brown ditches practice again after another issue with his helmet. There is a code that has been broken here with Antonio Brown. He's just not a good human. Well, unless you've been living under a rock, you guys all know that the AAF is folded. Wide receiver Josh Gordon has been reinstated and is now eligible to return to New England. The great Bill Belichick keeps giving Gordon chances. Tennessee head coach Rick Barnes told reporters flat out, if UCLA had paid his buyout, he probably would be at UCLA now instead of at Tennessee. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple wrong would have done just fine. I tell you, there is so much to unpack this week. So... (laughs) So much. How about the irony that one of your bold predictions about Josh Gordon and then one of your bold predictions about Antonio Brown have led them to both be active for the same team. Now, Antonio Brown is not couldn't play last night as the Patriots absolutely decimated Pittsburgh. And they and absolutely needed him, right? Not at all. They, and I'm not sure they're ever going to need Antonio Brown. They seem to have quite the amount of targets already. Whose reps are going to be taken away when Antonio Brown comes in? Is it Josh Gordon? So, Is it Dorsett? It can't be Dorsett after last well, night, Well, right? here, here's the crazy part. Demarius Thomas wasn't even active. They activated the third, the uh, first-year man from the D3 school from Bemidji State. Returned a punt, didn't he? He was a punt return of the whole game. The entire night? He was, uh, had about three offensive snaps. But I, Demarius Thomas wasn't even active. And I'm just sitting there going, if you looked at just who was active there, Demarius Thomas, your fifth option at wide receiver, wasn't even active. And they still were missing their two what would be starting tight ends in Benjamin Watson and uh, uh, and, uh, Kendrick, right? Lance Kendricks. So incredible that these two things have converged. Now it also makes your bold prediction of Antonio Brown being a model citizen 
when he didn't even make it to the first game with Oakland, even that much better. I mean, I didn't think it could get better after the whole saga last week. But then after we got done off the air, like six different things happened between Friday when we were done and Saturday when he was released. Yes, because we joked Friday that he was not going to play, that he was going to play. Yes, and then he made the video. All his guarantees got voided. He asked for his release. He got released, and then it took a matter of what? Six hours, maybe? Literally, this, and this is not a joke. Jay Sandos actually comes on pregame. We're sitting here. I'm in studio. Jay's at the stadium. We're just making sure, you know, levels are good. Make sure the broadcast is going to sound good. Mike seconds. checking. It was like 60 seconds before minute, the before Jay the says, there is, I hate to break it to everybody, but there's no way that Antonio Brown is going to sign with the New England Patriots. I, I cannot believe I wasn't rolling in that moment to throw that in the bold predictions bumper because Robert Harper walks in. It couldn't have been more than 60 seconds later. Know, and says, it, hey, one year, $9 million guaranteed, $15 million overall, Antonio Brown to the Patriots. And, of four, course, you were euphoric about 457, it. 4.57, I am emphatic. 4.57, oh. you lost your mind. Again, another <laughs> bold prediction by me. 4.58, I had to – Robert Harper goes, Adam Schefter's report. I said, that's the fake Schefter. It's not even the right one. And so he's going through all the Twitter feed of Schefter. And then uh, the Patriot.com thing hits my phone, and I'm like, okay. So When I tell you I've never solid. been more devastated about not recording something. Solid, yep. And just hearing Robert in the background, hey, one year, $9 million guaranteed, $50 million overall. I could not believe it, A, because it was actually happening right now. I did see some things on Twitter. It looked like that Vegas – had a chance to put some odds out there before everything happened, and they had the Patriots as the favorite, not a surprise, 2-1. to one. Like, the Cardinals were in there, Seattle was in there, a few so other So, you know teams. what's even crazier about that? It also came out that New England offered a number one draft pick. To Pittsburgh in March, right? Yeah. Didn't want to trade him to a... They didn't want to trade him, so they got a third and a fifth, and he still ends up at New England. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you can't make some of this up. All right. Can I Give tell me... you the best tweet of the day before you sure. go here? Because the best tweet... Was and I, I, I can't remember the reporter. It says, "AB is still the villain unless he can do what somebody else can't do, which is destroy the Patriots from the inside, and he'll be everyone's hero." Oh, that <laughs> is funny. That was brilliant. So, two theories on Antonio Brown: is he actually just off his rocker, right? And he's something's flipped in his head. We're like, he is not a model citizen. Ryan Clark says he's a bad human. Is he just a bad human? Is there something? Is the wiring crossed up in his mind? Like, because this all appears from the outside, like a unbelievable. But it was camp. calculated to get him released. I will say well, this. Okay. Well, so hold on, because the other side of it is. Okay. Was it all a plan? Was he the diabolical genius that maneuvered his way out of Oakland? He wanted to go to Oakland. He wanted the paycheck. He actually wanted to be there when he got there. But they looked around and said, "David Carr, this is hideous." And he saw the organization and just did the he want to play for John Gruden? John Gruden may be the other thing. Although I'll say this, and I know I talked about this on Friday and said there's a whole other side to the hard knocks thing, but John Gruden looks like a pretty good dude coming out of all this, I think, especially with the weird video with the phone conversation. Well, no, listen, where he's it, like every, everybody that uh, in Oakland, it, it, it was, gosh, I'm trying to think if it was a good comparison. So it was a lot of people at first, um, maybe for Tennessee fans, Lane Kiffin, right? Because when, when people, when Tennessee, they got, Kiffin, it was all like Al Davis, right? And the Raiders are just idiots for the way they treated and what they did to Kiffin. And now since all that, everyone has been like, well, hey, maybe Al Davis was on to something because all the things have happened from Kiffin therefore. But it's also like when a guy's on your team, it's amazing how you feel about him. And then when he's gone, it's like, oh, yeah, that guy, that guy. But I, I think it's a little – I think the fact that he consulted social media um, influencers – 
and companies, right, that, that, that handle social media to how can I get released? And, oh, well, do you have that letter? Can you go in this? Can you say this? You know, what won't ruin your enough? And New England, clearly, the one thing about New England, this is why they take they can take head cases, right? They did with a great example. They took Albert Hainsworth and his huge contract from the Titans and four games later sent him packing. They took Ocho Cinco, right, from Cincinnati, and he didn't fit in and ended up only, I think, only like 12 catches that whole entire year. And after really about week five, he never saw the field. So you saw last night that New England can play without him. So New England's like, you know what? He comes in. He wants to fit in. He wants to play. We'll play him. He comes in. He's a little disruptive. We have no trouble paying him $9 million to go away because we're set up that way to take a cap hit, and we can win without him. I think Antonio Brown is an evil genius and he is joining another evil genius in Bill Belichick. I think that when he saw Oakland, saw the organization, saw Derek Carr, saw everything that he had gotten himself into, he ran for the hills. And I don't blame him. I don't think that it was a very upstanding thing to do, but I also think that if you're in a situation like that and you are like, oh, man, this is bad. I don't know what I got myself into. I think a lot of people, and myself included, would probably just play it out. You've gotten yourself into this. you signed the contract, et cetera. But the last straw when they took the guarantees away and he was just like, yep, I think this isn't for me. I think from day one, it was all a cold-hearted business calculation to get out of Oakland. And he is not, in fact, crazy. He's actually extremely intelligent. He is an evil genius. Well, here's and has the, here's the way I think now. to – I think the ultimate way to answer that is, is obviously got to play the, the long game. Right. But if he is the model citizen that I clearly predicted once he got <laughs> out of Pittsburgh and Oakland, clearly I heard that, then – We'll know. If he gets in New England and he's released in about four weeks for that doing would be crazy, crazy stuff. That would be wild. Then, 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 because here's the deal. If you can't, you can't conform and do it the Patriot way, they've, they have no trouble kicking everybody out. They've, they've done it before. They've eaten bad contracts. They, they've, they've traded. They have traded for a guy and in one week just cut him. So, that, not afraid. So, that, that's the one thing. And, and clearly, again, the offense looked phenomenal. Now, you never know injuries. There's all kind of different things. When Antonio gets on there, what kind of packages are they doing for him? I mean, there's no doubt he's a talent and he's going to help anybody. But I, if he comes in, and did you hear, you know, he may be living in uh, Brady's mansion he's trying to sell. I mean, there's all kinds of weird things going on here. There's a ton of weird things. I, I don't know what it is. But we'll, 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 the ultimate thing, Will Brown, if he conforms and makes it the whole year, then you know he was the evil genius. If he's just really a psychopath, which, which <laughs> everyone's leaning that way. I'm not. But if, but if he is the psychopath, then I don't think he's going to be there in four or five weeks, and he'll just get paid $9 because that's the only thing they've guaranteed him to go away. You're all the idiots, and I am the genius in this, much like Antonio Brown. He is a genius. In Bill we Bill trust. Bill Belichick's a genius. In Bill we trust. Come and in, t- in tune, I am a genius as well. Uh, speaking of Oakland, how do you think I'm feeling about my <laughs> prediction that they would finish fifth in the AFC? They haven't played a game yet. last Friday. Oh You're fine. Gosh. They'll play tonight. You're I'm fine. in trouble. Uh, Cleveland, I also had in bold predictions as that a one looked playoff great. team. <laughs> Tennessee dismantled them. Don't feel so good about that. You had Pittsburgh and Jacksonville. Uh, <laughs> Pittsburgh now, of Fall, course. Falls is out like collarbone. <laughs> Jacksonville's a tough one to, and, to feel know, good about. And, and they weren't, and it really wasn't that bad of a game early, even with Foles in there. It was a seven point game. I mean, yeah. Kansas City jumped out. Jacksonville came right back. Jacksonville then, pushed back a little bit, yeah. And, and, and to be honest with you, you never know. Next man up, we'll see what happens there. But certainly, um, Losing foals changes things. 
not feeling great about that. Pittsburgh, I'm, I'm still okay. Just like probably Cleveland, you shouldn't panic. I think both those uh, – both of us should not panic. Jacksonville and Oakland, I think, are the ones where we're just looking at each other going, what, what, like, what did we drink that morning? I think the worst one right now is probably Jacksonville. Very close second, Oakland. Oh, no, I agree. I, Jacksonville is still uh, uh, everything knowing this morning, and Oakland still hasn't played yet. They could still – because if they beat Denver, they're 20 times in better shape than where Jacksonville is. But you're clearly in better shape on the high end with – of the four that we're talking about, Pittsburgh is still undoubtedly – the number one team of those four that has a chance to get into the playoffs. Now, I'll say this. I'm not giving them as much of a pass as some others. I think they looked especially bad last night. And you know my take on them coming in, which is probably why I'm not willing to forgive as much with some people saying, oh, it's New England. They never play well there. Yeah, they played especially bad last night. I, I know the one time that they beat New England in New England over like the last, what, 16, 17 years, it was without Tom Brady. So it is a tough place for them to play, and they keep banging their heads into the wall when they go there. It's all about matchups, and it's it's a good, you know, just like New England always loses in Miami, so there's just certain matchups that that teams are better than that. Uh, that match, uh, you know, good example is Citadel basketball versus ETSU. It's a somehow it's a bad matchup for ETSU. Citadel gives ETSU fits. Samford, who doesn't really give ETSU fits, gives Wofford fits. So sometimes it's about matchups, and for whatever reason, Pittsburgh has been a horrific matchup, uh, and been a, or a, it's a good matchup for New England, but a horrific matchup for Pittsburgh. I'll say this. I was I'll defend that. starting to feel good about my Clemson out of the college playoff prediction when you had Texas Tech, was it? Or Texas a and A&M, A&M, A&M early. I, they were hanging around that first half, and then the second half was just absolute dominance. That doesn't look good right now. Uh, no SEC team in the championship game for you. That doesn't look great right now. Your Super Bowl team out of the NFC is Chicago. So I don't know how you're feeling about that after three wow. points against Green Bay. Anyway, I didn't know we were going to do Super Bowl. I'm blaming you for, for forcing my hand on that. <laughs> I think go. you were the one that pushed that off air. Okay, anyway, uh, as for did. the ones that are counting for this week, because those are long-term season-long predictions, it is a long season, and we're not going to panic on any of those just yet, though I am not feeling fantastic. We chalk up our first win on the board, and unfortunately, it is for Jay Sandos. ETSU, three passing and three rushing touchdowns. Congratulations, Boom. sir. That was, that was very Boom. solid. I hate to admit it, but the best prediction of the week was made by you. Was it exactly three and three, right? Because they it also was. had the field goal in there, yeah, and they had the two point conversion and the safety mm. that added up to forty eight. So three and three. The fact that somehow it worked out perfectly for you there, I'm not quite sure how. Maybe you got in the quality to, control I mean, coach's ear. To, I don't know. Maybe. To get, I mean, I was. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It was a little bit of me turning around and trying to make some passing motions to the coach's <laughs> box next to me. As well. So uh, now they they ran it in the first play, so they didn't listen to me on the first play, but uh, the second play they did. So. Uh, ten tackles for loss. You also said that is not a win, though they did get seven. Seven tackles for a loss for a total they of get ten, thirty-one yards. A bit, I mean, uh, the most ETS you had last year was eight. That was the VMI game. So you're still going. It was bold. It's a lot, yeah, it's about as, about as bold as your third down. I mean, th- those were well, those were less than three percent chance of happening. Yeah, Yours I mean, was probably less. One percent. Mine was probably less than three. Yeah, and unfortunately, mine went haywire pretty early on. They were one for their first six on third down conversion, shorter. And after those first couple of third down conversions, I'm sitting back like, I've done it again. I am the greatest at bold predictions. And then I think they ended up going like six for fifteen. It was like a pretty decent percentage. They ended yeah, up converting. I think the last drive they picked up three as yeah. well. So at that's that point, it was, over. it was over. It was over. Salt in the wound for me. Uh, and then I also said that ETSU would break the single season or single game record. Excuse me for. First downs in a game, which is 30. They fell 10 short of that. Shorter and ETSU combined for 30. So I could have been saying that. You know, can we rewind the tape? And you think there's possible that I was saying, you know, those two could? No, maybe not. 
You're giving me the, no. the crazy eyes. Yeah, you're giving me the Antonio Brown eyes. So 0 for 2 for me. Uh, 1 and 1 goes Jay Sandos. He leads in bold predictions. Season-long predictions Boom. are looking horrible for each of us. But right yeah, now, good. it's 1 to nothing. Jay Sandos on top. Yeah, I also feel real good about uh, my Washington Carolina winning the SoCon. <laughs> or a share of the time. Yeah, you know, and I, I said Ooh. Chattanooga would win uh, the SoCon. Or did I say go to the playoffs? One of the two. And then, you know, they were hanging yeah. with Jacksonville State for a little yeah. bit on Saturday. And yeah. then things went all out of control. And Jacksonville State did what Jacksonville State often does to many teams. Beat them 41-20. to 20. Yeah. Chat got it to 27-20, got the ball back, and turned it over on downs, and then another turnover and 14 quick ones made that maybe a little uglier than what it was. Uh, and the Furman Paladins, good fight. Looked really good. Yeah. Garen Granger looks like the answer at quarterback for them. That's bad news for everyone in the yeah. team of the SoCon, but for the SoCon's reputation, a good effort uh, on the road. And Citadel, another tough loss. They gave up yet another touchdown with 90 just seconds to go in a game. Close I mean, games after close games for them. You just can't buy it. Last Incredible. couple years just really struggled. All right, Wednesday, we hope to talk to Wade Brenner, play-by-play man, BMI, top 25. What else? May have some Patrick Good. Ooh. Talk a little hoops. Good times with Pat, as he named it. Santa's a sidekick. Fuck it, Eric. Sports Network. See ya.